It's time for show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. Dean Hart going to be on the show today. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, Tom is the man. Tom uh, is going to talk to us a little bit about Purdue football. So uh, we've got a lot going on here. Uh, we'll talk to him. Uh, we'll get you updated on what's going on with the Cubs. We'll get you updated with what's going on with the Masters. There's lots of stuff. I am uh, losing my mind already today. Let's get started. Need to know news. Here's your need to know news. All right, got to some big news here that I didn't expect, and we'll talk to Tom about this. From Purdue, do the ongoing $45.5 million Phase 1 renovation and safety being the utmost importance. Purdue football will not play a spring game in Ross-Ade Stadium to wrap up the 2023 practices. First-year head coach Ryan Walters and the Boilermakers will conduct a final practice at Folk Field on the 22nd, all of which we knew. Here's the caveat. Due to limited space, the practice will be closed to the general public. Only student-athlete families and Purdue football alumni can attend. I mean, that's a change. I, I understand it. I'm just I'm bummed about it. Softball's going to kick off a three-game homestand against Wisconsin tonight. 5 p.m. first pitch. First 250 get a Purdue mug on National Beer Day. $2 beer special tonight as well. Tomorrow's the strikeout cancer game. Sunday is Youth Day, uh, where kids can run the bases after the game. Baseball's out in Minneapolis, so. And uh, soccer's got the, the spring exhibition against UIC tomorrow. And women's tennis at Schwartz this weekend, Saturday and Sunday at noon. Softball is free to attend. Just throwing that out there. So is soccer, and so is the tennis. So, well, it's sports boilermakers this weekend. It's going to be a gorgeous weekend. You see that forecast? Not bad to go on out to the old ballpark and enjoy some $2 beer specials. Purdue Women's Basketball books a Thanksgiving holiday tournament in the Bahamas. The 2023 Bahamar Hoops Pink Flamingo Championship. Are there non-pink flamingos? There's gotta be like a, there's probably like a white flamingo or something, right? Or like gray. And anyway, uh, it's November 20th to 22nd. It doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but I've never I can't recall seeing a non-pink flamingo, so I feel like it's um, not elementary. What do you call it? Repetitive. Um, there's a word for it, but I'm stupid. Uh, the Boilermakers will be part of a 10-team field. Boy, I really went off tangents there. Eight of those teams uh, are been announced. They are uh, Purdue, Columbia. East Carolina, Georgia, Oklahoma State, Penn State, Seton Hall, and USC. No times, no dates, but if you want to start booking for that stuff, uh, best to do it early. It looks gorgeous. Uh, PurdueSports.com. Go click on the article. They've got all the info for you. 
Blackhawks yesterday back in the loss column. 3-0 defeat to Vancouver last night. They're going to head out to Seattle tomorrow night. Pacers. They're hosting Jaden Ivey and the Pistons tonight. Indy seven-point favorites. Pacers may have Miles Turner. No Halliburton. Bulls are on the road to take on Dallas tonight. Mavs an eight-point favorite. Must-win game for the Mavs. No Kyrie and uh, four other players are missing for the Mavericks. Bulls already in a play-in game. They've got they've got a play-in tournament berth, so they're good to go. Checking out the Masters leaderboard, and let me tell you, there is uh, there's some interesting stuff happening at the Masters today. Brooks Kepka on top here. What are the live guys? Look at that. Uh, he is at uh, five under today. He's in the clubhouse with a 67. 12 under for the tournament. In second place, the Texas A&M amateur, Sam Bennett. Eight under. He's four under. He's also in the clubhouse. So back-to-back uh, rounds of 68 for him. John Rahm is uh, through six. He's even. Sits seven under for the tournament. Uh, so, yeah, he's got a chance to maybe slide up the board there as well. Uh, Colin Morikawa is at six under as well after shooting back-to-back rounds of 69. So he sits at fourth. Tied with Victor Hovland, who's one over on the day. He's through seven. Um, other guys that are standing out right now. Spieth right now is through 17. He's at five under. Shane Lowry and Cameron Young also at five under to round out your top 10. Phil Mickelson's up to 11th. Uh, he turned in a uh, second round 69 today at four under. I find that to be a little bit of a surprise, to be honest with you. Uh, other names here that, uh, like I said, I'm just kind of going through it as we go. Dustin Johnson, a shot of 72 today, one under. Scotty Scheffler, shot of 75 today, three over. That dropped him down to one under. Uh, Xander Shoffley uh, is uh, one under after seven. He's three over on his round today, uh, so uh, not a great round for him. Uh, Tiger uh, came into the day looking at the projected cut at two over. He is at plus one through seven today, and that puts him at three over for the tournament. So uh, he is right there on the cutoff, his old Tiger. We'll see if he's able, able to uh, climb himself back in there. I, I don't know. Big names that are not going to be making the cut that we already know. Rory at uh, five over again, or five over today, shot a 77, man. Uh, that took him from even yesterday. To that five over, he is below the projected cut, and uh, he's not going to make it. I know there were a lot of people uh, thought that he was uh, he, he was a guy you could bet on. Corey Connors shot a seventy nine today. Boy, he really faded here too. Uh, shot seven over. Utsazen is uh, at nine over. I know he's got several holes left, but he's not going to make it. Bryson DeChambeau looks like he's not going to make it either. Uh, he shot another 74 today. He sits at four over. So some big names not making the cut. But I think your big rooting favorite right now is um, Sam Bennett, right? The amateur from uh, from Texas A&M. You'd love to see it. I don't think he's going to win the tournament, but seeing that high with the big guys, uh, I love for the kid. All right, let's get to uh, some of our best bets for today. We split again yesterday. We had two props. Uh, Josiah Gray cashes for us. Dougie Hamilton. Man, I'll tell you what, I was so excited about that bet yesterday. 
They won eight to one, eight to one over Columbus. And I told you that Dougie averaged nearly six shots on goal, not attempted on goal in his last six against the Blue Devils. And what did that guy come out and do yesterday? One shot. He took one shot and he missed it. So no shots on goal. It's always heartbreaking, too, when you have all the great stats and it just does not follow through. (sighs) Man, that stinks. So let's get back after it here uh, today. Uh, We already do have some baseball, by the way, going on here. Cubs and Rangers are in the middle of the fourth. Uh, Eovaldi finally walked a guy. But the Cubs were getting no hit. He was perfect through the first two. Finally got a walk in there. But still, uh, Cubs with no hits uh, going into now the bottom of the fourth. Uh, Meanwhile, Marcus Stroman, four innings, two hits, one walk, five strikeouts. Uh, The offense is not there. And uh, the wind blowing in here today. Over-under was like six and a half on this thing. And even with the wind blowing in, I was still like six and a half is pretty low. Still a little bit scary, but we'll keep you posted on that. The uh, White Sox uh, will play my beloved Pittsburgh Pirates today at uh, 412. That game is on ESPN Plus today. Lucas Giolito is on the mound versus uh, lefty Rich Hill. Only two guys with hits versus Hill in their career in the White Sox lineup, but I wouldn't be too worried. I don't know. This is a home opener for Pittsburgh. They're going all out on this thing, too. Uh, but I'm still, I'm I'm not buying in because I know what's going to happen. As soon as I buy in, it's fail city. So uh, let's find some props that we do like tonight. The entire internet, all the prognosticators are in on Trey Turner. Uh, over one and a half bases. Uh, I find that I've been taking a lot of these overs on the on the base count and just turning them into single-game hits and parlaying them together. Trey Turner, a hit in every game but one this year, so he's five out of six. Uh, They're hosting the Reds. He has a 667 batting average versus green in six plate appearances. So, internet on him. Uh, I do like Mike Trout tonight as well. He's batting 412 against Bassett in 19 plate attempts. Uh, and uh, he's got, uh, I like over one and a half for him. He's got a, he's hitting like 400 against Toronto. So we'll take that. Those are my two picks today. Still got time to get in on those. No, I'm sorry. The Cincinnati game just started, so you missed out on Trey Tarrant. Go ahead and take Mike Trout while you still can. That'll be my bet here. I think there's some unders to be played today, too. All throughout the Midwest here, up through like Cleveland and stuff. Like Minnesota, it's going to be very cold, wind blowing in. I like the under there against the Astros, 7.5. I have the under in Philadelphia and Cincinnati, 7.5. Because, again, the wind's not very fortuitous. I have the under in 6.5 on uh, Cubs and Rangers. And then uh, Cleveland's another place. The wind's not going to do you any favors, under 7.5 there. Uh, Those are my plays today. Uh, tail responsibly. I don't think I've gotten baseball quite dialed in yet. Working on it. Small sample size here, but uh, we're doing our best. All right. We're going to take a break here. Uh, we got Tom Deanhart, goldenblack.com. He's next. It's Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 101. 
Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. We're over to our Hammerhead Hotline, and we're going to bring in our good buddy, my football spiritual advisor and uh, writer of goldenblack.com over there. It's Tom Deanhart on the line with us. Tom, how you doing, bud? Doing good, my friend. Uh, halfway through spring football, so uh, it's moving along very quickly. I know. It was it was kind of picking up some steam here. I, I do want to get started out, though, with uh, this news that Purdue put out today about the spring game. Uh, we talked a few weeks ago. We were, remember, we were speculating where they were going to hold this thing. We know they were going to hold it at Folk Field. We knew it was going to be more of a, it wasn't going to be less of a game and more of a glorified, just kind of big final practice. But now... Uh, Purdue says no public. It's just going to be family and uh, alumni all of a sudden. I, I was a little shocked by that. Um, I don't, is this kind of like a missed opportunity? I, I mean, what do you think about this not having the public involved for this uh, final spring practice? I, I guess they don't think the facility can accommodate, I think, the number of people they anticipate. Um, but I'm not sure. That's just my guess. You certainly would like to be able to involve the public, but again, that's a facility. I, I'm not even sure what Folk Field holds. Maybe two or three thousand people. Yeah. So again, maybe it was a case of they didn't think they were going to be able to handle their demand, and they have to start turning people away. Then you have upset people on that front. So uh, I know it's probably not a popular decision not to have any public there at all, but. Again, that's just my guess is that, you know, that they didn't think that the facility could handle their anticipated crowd and, and, uh, from a logistics standpoint. So maybe that was the reason why they decided just to shut it down and just let, you know, football alumni and media attend. Because I thought at that point, you might as well just have it at Mollenkopf then. Why go out to the, the soccer field and, and Terry? You might as well just play on your practice field and stuff. But at least there's bleachers. There is some, there's a little bit of seating area and there's not a ton. Yeah. But uh, yeah. then I got to think, I'm like, is it really worth it to haul everything out? And, and uh, you know, heck, you, I don't even think you can't take Cherry Lane all the way through there, right, from the practice <laughs> facility because they're working on that. I'm just like, this just makes yeah. more sense to say that, like, you know. But I, I'm sure they have their reasons and everything, though. But I, I thought from a public perspective, and you're probably right about all that, Tom, but it is a little bit of a bummer, I think, with a new coach. And I think fans were getting pretty excited about what was going on to come out and get a glimpse of it. Uh, that is a little bit of a bummer from their perspective. Yeah, you're right. You make a good point. I mean, if, if nobody's going, why even take it off your site? You know, why not just have something in the Molenkoff Center? That's a, again, there's really, there's really no space in there at all. But, again, um, if you're only having football alumni and media there, how many people will be there anyway? But, yeah, you know, uh, especially you, you like to keep continue the momentum and, and the excitement that's around this, this new coaching staff, too. Uh, just it's just bad timing with Ross Age Stadium being renovated right now. That's obviously why they're not in Ross Age Stadium. Just sort of the stars align this year where uh, you know it's not available and they have a new coaching staff. So uh, people are going to have to suffer through uh, the angst of not watching the spring game. But they can anticipate, I guess, you know, a, a brand uh, a Ross Age Stadium um, with some new amenities as far as that south end zone and, and that tunnel. It's going to be kind of fun to see what that looks like when it's all unveiled on September 2nd against Fresno State. I am looking forward to that. We're talking with Tom Deanhart, goldenblack.com, on the Hammerhead Hotline. Um, all right, so practice has been going pretty darn good. Um, the one thing that I know stands out, and I know your your readers love to hear, is it seems like there's been an awful lot of traffic of uh, recruits, potential recruits coming in here uh, at the high school level, and 
I'm noticing a lot more guys that are like, you know, these four stars and uh, very highly sought after recruits that maybe before weren't making stops here, and now all of a sudden they are. Uh, I, I've been pretty impressed with, you know, you've been reporting a lot of it too, uh, of uh, who's been swinging by West Lafayette as of late. Yeah, some pretty impressive uh, recruits. Um, uh, the new staff has has their ears, as they like to say, Jared. So some high-profile guys, some four-star guys have made their way through uh, through campus during spring football to watch practice, to visit with the coaches, to watch the coaches in action and actually coaching. So it's a good opportunity for recruits to see who their potential position coach is and how that guy coaches on the field. Yeah, again, kids from uh, a lot of Chicago area kids, a big running back from Mount Carmel High School. We had a giant offensive lineman from Kankakee, Illinois, just south of the Chicago win recently as well. So on and on it's gone, Jared. Like you noted, some, some pretty impressive recruits uh, have been through campus. Uh, more are to come, obviously, with two weeks left in spring football. Uh, expect a, a, probably a raft of recruits for that last event, again, April 22nd to wrap up the spring and uh you know june's a big month for for football recruiting jared that's the month when a lot of guys make their commitments there's camps all across the country schools have their camps Purdue will have some camps as well and again a lot of kids make their decision in june so uh still a lot to unfold for this first recruiting class for ryan walters well we know we'll have the recruiting class but really the next hurdle's coming up here and uh and uh what a week and a half is it uh, the the portal the new portal deadline here it, it opens back yeah. up again right so this is where a, a lot more of this action is going to take place and I know can affect a little bit of the recruiting um, yeah. is uh, obviously Purdue is constantly shopping in the portal here but uh, are you expecting maybe any more guys to perhaps jump in from Purdue's side? Yeah, without a doubt, Jared. And April fifteenth. To April 30th, that's the portal window. Chance for guys to jump in the portal, and uh, if they want to do so. And I would suspect Jared, we could see anywhere from gosh six to maybe ten Purdue players going the portal. We'll have to see um, how that all fleshes out. But um, again, that would not be a number that would shock me. It's probably pretty average, to be honest with you, Jared. I think Jeff Rom probably typically had about 10 guys every year going to portal. So, again, I wouldn't be shocked to see Purdue hit that number. Uh, they already saw an offensive lineman who's a grad transfer, Jared, jump in last week. Grad transfers can can move outside of those uh, of that portal window anytime they want, which is why that happened. But, again, yeah, upwards of 10 guys. And, of course, look for Purdue to bring guys in, Jared. Now, I don't think if Purdue loses 10 guys in the portal, they're going to necessarily bring in 10 portal guys. Um, but they will bring in, I think, a, a, a decent allotment of, of, of transfers here after spring football. They've already got quite a few transfers committed. A few guys are on campus already, so they're doing all they can to, to get a look at this roster and try to remake it in spots they think that need some work. Well, I know we're in this new portal era, Tom, but you kind of alluded to here, if we say 10 guys are out, that's not a shocking number to you? That's kind of par for the course of what's going on in, in college football, you feel like? I mean, uh, I'm sure yeah. to uh, the average fan, like, well, if 10 guys are leaving, that should be a red flag. But uh, this is kind of the uh, this is the way this is operating now these days. That's that's not a shocking number. No, not at all. That, that's not a high number. And I'm sure after spring football, Jared, and this, goes, this, this, this happens across every program in America. 
the coaching staff, the head coach, meets with the players, explains, you know, where that player stands in the program, what the plan is for that player, if he really has much of a future playing at that school. You know, typically then then the kids are allowed to stay if they want to stay, but a lot of times if they choose that route, that they're, that's with the understanding that, hey, you're, you're probably never going to get on the field. So the player has to has, ask himself the question, do I want to stay here and not play, or do I want to try to seek a, an opportunity at another school where I can play? So, and again, with this staff too, Jerry, you know, it's, it's, it's a new, uh, new scheme on both sides of the ball, and not all these players that are on the current roster are necessarily going to fit what Purdue wants to do on offense and defense now under Ryan Walter. So a lot of square pegs and round holes. And, uh, again, it's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, post-spring football to see how this roster fleshes out and what it looks like as we head into the summer. You know, you talk about some of those schemes, and, and there's also guys switching positions. I think you wrote about Yanni Karloftis uh, over the last uh, week or so, or – you know, that was a kid that comes in. I believe he was a four-star. Local folks love him. You know, we obviously know his brother as well. Um, I still remember him coming in as a rather tall freshman and being a wide out on the outside uh, late in the season over at West Lafayette. But uh, I know he's kind of struggled at times with some injuries and stuff. But uh, talk a little bit about maybe him and, and some other guys that are kind of finding some different roles than they might be used to. Yeah, Yanni's going to play linebacker. Uh... Inside linebacker for Purdue, uh, a, a, a Will and the Sam. And, uh, of course, he came to Purdue as a linebacker. Then he moved to the line last year and was moved back to linebacker. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, he finds a niche here in this defense. Um, he seems pretty optimistic about the scheme and thinks that he can carve out a niche for himself. So he's been an interesting guy to monitor this spring. And the, this defense, too, Jared, it has a five-man front. And uh, nose tackle, two defensive ends, and the ends are kind of like defensive tackles, honestly. And then flanking the line are two outside linebackers, one on each side of the ball. One's a buck and one's a fox. And the buck plays to the boundary side of the field, which is the short side. Fox plays to the, the field side, which is the wide side. And, and in that spot, you're seeing guys who used to be defensive ends in the old defense be now this offensive outside linebacker position. You're talking about Nick Carraway, Corday Sidner, uh, Kydren Jenkins, Scotty Humpich, a couple uh, one of the newcomers, Will Helt, and the redshirt freshman Roman Petrie. So those guys are sort of learning a new position um, from from that old defense when those guys were primarily just defensive ends. Now, again, they're outside linebackers, and, and I think their main responsibility is going to be to get upfield, but they will obviously have some covered responsibility too. I'm thinking about guys like Nick Carraway and what. We're on, this, this is three different defenses, or defensive coordinators essentially for him in three years, right? Because we, we've had that turnover uh, from the Brown days and now the new, uh, now the new uh, whole coaching staff and everything too. I mean, it's got to be hard to find some continuity. It's probably nice to get exposed to like, you know, three different defensive minds and philosophies, but at the same time, you want some continuity here. Yeah, I asked, uh, <laughs> I asked Jacob Wahlberg of, going to be a fifth-year senior linebacker earlier in this spring, how many defensive coordinators he's had, and I think he's had five. You have Nick Holt, mm-hmm. you have Bob, Di- Bob Diaco, and then you had what, Brad Lambert, Ron English, and now, of course, he's got the new coordinator in Kevin Kane. So there you go. Basically five coordinators in five years. The last coordinator to work more than one year was Nick Holt, who was the coordinator for Jeff Brown's first three seasons. So 
Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of continuity from a coordinator standpoint on that defense. Obviously, uh, Ryan Walters hopes to change that. He's a defensive guy, Jared, and uh, so he, he understands the need to have that continuity and also to be able to build build on your scheme of personnel that really fits it, too. It was uh, every realtor's favorite coach uh, in town. It was the uh, defensive coordinator, it seemed like, yeah. for that uh, longest time. And, uh, yeah, hopefully there'll be uh, a little bit of uh, stability here. So, uh, Tom, before we go here, as uh, we start to barrel towards that spring game here uh, and, and on the back half of the uh, spring schedule, uh, what should fans be watching out for? Or Are there any kind of recruits that – uh, stick out top of your mind here that you want to watch out for, maybe performance-wise, group grouping-wise, uh, positions we want to hear buzz about. Uh, what's what's top of mind for you here uh, as we go into the last couple of weeks? You never want to take too much from what you see in a spring game. And, again, Purdue's not even going to have a spring game. It's just going to be a practice. So what you see on the field, take everything with a grain of salt. And, yeah, the, the recruiting aspect is probably the more fascinating aspect for the program now. And uh, from a portal standpoint, honestly, Jared, and uh, I think there's a couple big areas of need that Purdue needs to address in the portal. I think the number one need is the cornerback position. They need they need some help in the back end at corner, without a doubt. Now they got one kid committed from Stanford who will be here after the after he finishes workout in Palo Alto. But again, I think they may need a couple more portal cornerbacks. I think they need a, some help on the interior of the defensive line. Uh, I think you could, if you can, Jared, if you can find a true alpha game-breaking wide receiver in the portal, you grab him because I don't think there, there, there's a player of that ilk on the roster. Um, maybe another offensive lineman to replace Sione Finau. And a running back, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe they want to get a veteran back in to help out Devin Mockaby. And, Jared, maybe I think if they can find a, a quarterback, Somebody to back up Hudson Card, I think they would take him. I think, I think, I know I would feel more comfortable if I was the coach, if I had a guy behind Hudson Card who played a little college football. Because right now, the backups, of course, are redshirt freshman Brady Allen and true freshman Ryan Brown. Then you have the walk on from West Side Kyle Adams. The problem with that, Jerry, is it's hard to sell portal guys on the notion of coming to a place and being a backup. That's all the quarterback would be at Purdue. Can they find a guy to accept that, a quarterback in the portal to accept that role? That's going to be the interesting challenge to see if the staff can do that. You have me at Kyle Adams. That's all I know. You have me at Kyle Adams for that part. I'm going to pull for he's that guy. He's in the guy. mix. I, I, I think he's in the mix. They like You've him. been talking about it, yeah. Like yeah. They like him, I think. You know, he does, he's, a, he's, he's challenged with his height. But, uh, heck, Graham Harrell talked about him yesterday. He said he's a savvy guy. And... Uh, you know, I think I think Graham likes him. I'm not sure if Kyle's. You know, I, I, I think he has a chance to help him in the mix. I, I'm, I don't know if he ever get on the field, but it, it, it's interesting to know that he's earned their confidence and his skill set is enough to keep him on the field at this point. We always talked about him at the high school level, like he was just another three inches taller. And you know, a lot of big schools would be down here talking to him because yep. he makes and he checks off all the bo- uh, the boxes that. Uh, Graham Harrell likes I mean, he throws a great ball. He makes plays with his feet as well, right? But he can still stay yep. in the pocket. I mean, it just it's ridiculous that we're just we're talking about maybe like three inches here, and it's a whole different uh, it's a whole different ball game. Let's I don't know. Can we get some like insoles or something like that to make him a little bit taller? Does that help? I mean, let me fit, hey, come they on. Had a, they had a kid from Jeff in yesterday. 
Michael Lillard. Oh, I love him. So uh, they had him. They, they had him over for a for, for the practice on Thursday. And there's one other kid at Jeff uh, that I think's drawn some some interest from Max School. So it looks like they got some good players this year over at Lafayette. Jeff, of course, we talked about West Side. What three or four guys on the Purdue roster between Karloftis and Kyle Adams and Caleb Crockover, and of course Big Bad Mo Amonaday. Yeah, I think you're talking about Glenn Patterson, the running back from Jeff. Is that the that's guy? It. Yeah, Glenn Patterson. That, that's the other guy from Lafayette, Jeff. Exactly right. I like him, too. He's getting, I think, uh, I, I want to say that he had like a time 40 was getting even faster. I think he was like almost a 4-4-40 guy down there, too. So that's getting that's getting scary because yeah, he was attention. a pretty big guy. <laughs> yeah, that's got to get a lot of attention. So, yeah, Jeff's got a couple guys. Always fun. I always have a lot of interest in local guys when they start drawing interest. And, and uh, when I saw the Lillard kid's name, I said, boy, that's interesting. I I, not, I wasn't aware of him, but you obviously made a big high school guy in the area. Know who he is and, and how good he is, too. Ballhawk. 100% Ballhawk. Gamer. I like him. So <laughs> uh, let's see if he can repeat that performance this year because uh, he he was, yeah, he was all over the place last year. Tom Dean Hart of GoldenBlack.com. Eh, it's always great to talk with this guy. We I, I can't believe we go as long as we do with you, and I feel like I've only been talking for five minutes, buddy. <laughs> It goes by fast. I like talking football too. I know we didn't even touch the draft, and we, Boilers in the draft. I mean, that yeah, just we, that we, just we, shows we, how much time we yeah. have. We can talk draft. That's a, just a couple. Well, a couple. It's in the, the end of April, twenty sixth. I think it starts. But yeah, we can we can talk some draft here as we get closer because Boilers may have to wait till Saturday to get a guy picked. But who knows how many go on sale? That, that, that's going to be the interesting thing is see how many guys do end up getting picked here for Purdue. I'm, I'm excited for it. Tom Deanhart, GoldenBlack.com. Get your subscriptions because uh, he, Mike Carmen, uh, Alan Carpet, Brian Newbert, just all do such a great job covering your Boilermakers across all the sports. So, Tom, always appreciate it. Hey, have a great Easter weekend, buddy. Enjoy the weather. You too. Take care, Jared. All right, take care, buddy. All right, we're going to come right back. More Hammer Down Show next on... There we go. I got the mic to work. It's uh, the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Uh, big thanks to Tom Dean Hart for uh, being on with us there and uh, dropping all the good stuff uh, when it comes to uh, football. Again, still a busy time. Portal opens up next weekend. Um, you know, recap what he said. Don't be freaked out if you see a large number of people, you know, if it gets to, to 10 or so. That uh, That's kind of the world that we live in now. Um and, and Tom did a great job of explaining why it's like that. It's because, you know, you, you get after spring practice, a spring game, they'll tell you, you know, where you're at, what to expect, what needs to be done, and, and then guys make that decision. And, you know, they're here or they're not, and uh, it does happen. But, yeah, still bummed for the public that you don't get to do the uh, the spring game. Um I always thought, you know, that was, you know, it's a great event. I, I get it. You can't have anything on Ross Aid. And maybe if Ross Aid isn't under construction, they do that. Um, and, and Tom's right. I mean, you can get some people in Mollenkopf, but if you're expecting, you know, between media and then like alumni and, and, and family and stuff to come in, it's too much. There's no real place to sit. Um, you know, Folk Field at least has got some bleacher space in there. You know, they're going to run the practices and stuff. If this is what the coaching staff feels like they need to do, that's what the coaching staff feels like they need to do. Uh, I don't, 
I don't hate them not having a game either. I know some people were just kind of upset when they do a scrimmage or something like that or just you know, not that traditional come out, spring game, watch it, get excited, and going into the summer, it is it is what it is. I am excited for all the – I see the construction pictures all the time out there at ross Aid, and I'm just – I'm pumped to see what that south end zone ends up looking like. I know they get the renderings. I can just look at it, but I mean, like, I want to see it in the flesh. So I'm super – I'm super excited about that. Um, let's check in with your uh, Chicago Cubs – one nothing in the top of the six, but right now uh, two outs and the bases loaded uh, for the uh, Rangers. Stroman's up to five and two thirds, six strikeouts and three walks. Your uh, Cubs run is coming from Cody Bellinger. Had a single to right, scored Swanson. So that's where they're at. Yeah, White Sox don't play until uh, 4-12 today. So that'll be going on uh, right after we uh, get off. I I found a really great, you know, it's Masters weekend. I love Masters weekend. It's just, it's so gorgeous to watch on a big TV. And a, a sports writer, Joe Pompolino, Leno, uh, has this great thread up, and, and I retweeted one of the posts of it about just everything that goes into the Masters, like a lot of the fun facts about the course and uh, about this whole thing. Uh, the media tickets, the, the badges we all have to wear, they all have RFID tags so they know exactly where everybody's at. They've actually acquired a lot of property around Augusta National. They've paid a lot of money for that, but they've gained 270 acres around all of that. Augusta was purchased in 1931 for $70,000, which adjusted for inflation is $1.4 million today. And over 700 volunteers will work the tournament each year. That's got to be where they make the money the most, right? They got a lot of volunteers. They'll do 70 million in merchandise sales this week. $10 million a day. That's $1 million an hour they are out there. They're pulling in merchandise sales. Blew my mind when I saw that. That boils down to $16,000 a minute or $277 every second on merchandise. So when you see those $1.50 pimento and cheese sandwiches, you know they don't have to do it. They're doing it because they love you. There's even a little thing here on, and I know the turf guy's got to love this, uh, and a sub-air system underneath every green. It keeps greens consistent, sucks up the water when it rains, it adds moisture back when it's hot. They even put it under the walkways after a patron slipped and fell a few years ago. I didn't know that. Another thing, I didn't know that there is uh, a massive wine cellar in the clubhouse. Did not know about that. I know about the Eisenhower house. What The one story that stuck out to me, and it, I just didn't know it because I was too young. I like my presidential history, but I just I never heard this one about Ronald Reagan took a vacation there in 83, stayed in the Eisenhower cabin. Somebody smashed through the gate with a gun and tried to hold him hostage in the pro shop. 
Secret Service got him out. Nobody got hurt. I never heard that story about Reagan before. Never did it. They have over 100 volunteers just on the grounds crew for the Masters. They gave up their nonprofit uh, status so that they wouldn't have to disclose the names of members, income holdings, expansion plans, or anything else. I mean, there's just, there's so much. And if you have the time, go follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jaredon1017. And uh, you can go through this whole, like, thread. There's some really interesting facts about it. I dug it. It's just, it's so beautiful. I absolutely love that course. I'd stink out loud, but I would have the time of my life. All right, we're going to take another break here, and we'll come back. We'll wrap up the Hammer Down Show. Things we missed and a big blunder by me yesterday. I called out by a listener on the text line, and rightfully so. Wrap up the Hammer Down Show next. Wrapping up the Hammer Down Show here on your Friday on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. A looks like a great Easter weekend, right? The oh, weather just looks absolutely fantastic. By the way, Cubs got out of that jam, bottom of the six, up one nothing. Uh, right now against the Rangers. Also still got, uh, like I said, Pittsburgh and uh, the White Sox 412 on ESPN Plus today. So, yeah, uh, got some good baseball on early. Time for some of the things we may have missed. Um, I want to shout out to the uh, the listener who was paying attention uh, yesterday when I went through Jade Nivey stats. And um, was talking about how he had you know ten more games left to to uh, reach the pinnacle. Pointed out there's only two games left in the NBA season because you know what my you know my dumbass did was on StatMuse. I'm cra- I'm StatMuse. I, I tell you, I love that site. Right? Type in Piston rookies, um, uh, Piston rookie all-time scoring leaders. And so I'm sitting here. Okay, Jade Divey's got 71 games in. So. You know, that means you 10 more left and you know, crunching all the numbers and stuff. Not for one dang second did I even, because I'm just, I'm trying to get all this stuff done here. I'm trying to get it in for the show. Not for one second did I ever contemplate that he might have actually not played games during the season, that he might have been injured or missed something. And sure enough, I mean, he did. And I didn't even think about it for, I just saw 71 games play. I'm like, okay, cool. Or uh, 72 games. I'm like, well, he's got 10 left. Okay, well, let's go. And I did the numbers. And uh, yeah, so good job. Uh, look, if it wasn't so hard to watch the Pacers because of Bally Sports, and uh, you know, if the Bulls were not constantly flirting with the lottery, you know, stuff not the lottery, but, um, you know, the, the play-in berth and the, the tournament thing, yeah, I probably would have uh, realized they had uh, just two games remaining. But no, I screwed that up. That's on me. Big mistake. Uh, my uh, my apologies. Uh, also, hey, Caleb Love is coming to the Big Ten. But he's going to Michigan, the UNC transfer. Going to Michigan, really? Who saw that one coming? Because judging by all the IU people in my Twitter... They were pretty sure that, you know, he was going to come here and choose. You know, it was going to be IU. I'm going to guess a lot of money came from Michigan to do that. Because I do have an idea of what IU has been handing out. 
And I think Michigan maybe won up that maybe that's what happened. Still, a um, little bit of a shocker to IU fans. I, I see some not handling it well. Not It's not all of them, but I see some are really not handling it well. They got a Michigan, though? Juwan Howard? I mean, I don't know about Michigan, man. I just don't. I'm not on board. All right, that does it. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Hey, I hope you enjoy your Easter again. Get out and see some softball this weekend over on campus, tennis, women's soccer as well. It's all going on this weekend. So uh, get the family out and enjoy it. going to be a gorgeous weekend. We'll be back again on Monday at 3 o'clock talking local sports.